Today is one of the most engaging and fascinating conversations we've had on the podcast because our guest is Anthony Nelson, Executive Director of the Glacier Institute, and he is an expert on both animal and I would say human behavior. In today's episode, we're going to learn about the difference it can make when we align our team around mission and the secret ingredients to motivating human behavior. You're going to be so glad you're listening today. Welcome to the Grounding and Growing Leadership Podcast, where everyone is a leader and leadership starts with you. I'm Tara. And I'm Pamela. Thank you for listening and inviting us along on your leadership journey. Welcome to the podcast. I am excited today because we have someone really special joining us today, who both Pamela and I have known a long time, which we'll get into in a little bit. And I'm going to apologize in advance to our listeners because I am getting over the cold that everyone has, and you'll hear it in my voice today. But before we introduce and say hi to Anthony, our guest, I just want to let everyone know a little bit about Anthony. So Anthony Nelson is a husband, father of three, amateur rock skipper. He's actually really good at rock skipping. He's not actually an amateur, a musician and a listener of audiobooks. And he is the executive director of the Glacier Institute, a national nonprofit that focuses on strengthening connections to the natural world through guided hikes and education programs in Glacier National Park, one of the most beautiful places in the world. He tells us that the highlight of his job is getting youth out to Big Creek to create lasting memories that spark a love for the outdoors, experiences he was fortunate to have in his own childhood and considers irreplaceable. A close second is brunch meetings, which I agree. All meetings should be brunch meetings. Welcome to the podcast, Anthony. Thank you so much. I I appreciate you uh, having me on. We're excited to have you. And full disclosure, you're related to Pamela. There you go. Yeah. (laughs) I would say that our history goes a long ways back. Yes. It does go a long way back. And I'm going to say that I come in with a lot of joy to be able to introduce Anthony here because I have seen Anthony walk into every invitation of leadership with a curiosity and all the things that we get to see here in Grounding and Growing. That's why when Tara said, Pamela, do you know anyone that could be on the podcast? I said, there's this young man who had to take over an organization as the director just before COVID hit and then try to innovate based on something that none of us in the world had ever experienced before. And he's doing it successfully. How about him? How about him? How about him? And that happens to be my youngest son, Anthony, and I am super proud. Thanks, mom. (laughs) So Anthony, before we dive in, we really want to hear your leadership journey. And I believe I know that you have a lot of leadership lessons that our audience are going to really enjoy learning from you. But you just took the strengths assessment last week as a favor to us coming onto the podcast. And so we haven't even had time to debrief it yet. So normally I ask someone what their favorite of their top five strengths are. But before we do that, I'd like to just ask, what were your thoughts when you read through your results? Yeah, I spent a little bit of time just briefly going through. I'll be honest with you. I've taken a lot of different kinds of assessments like this. And I always find myself landing in the middle areas. It's always hard for me to answer the questions because I find myself being a chameleon in some ways Mm -hmm. and and becoming who I need to become at the moment. And so answering a lot of the questions, the the assessment actually told me at the end, hey, we noticed that you answered in the middle a lot. That either means that you were just trying to zip through and didn't care, or it means that you actually think you're in the middle. 
And I am on the ladder of that. I actually, a lot of times feel like I fall in the middle, uh, thinking that both things are, are pretty important. Yeah. Interesting. I think What's interesting to me uh, about hearing you say that is uh, two things. So you have adaptability in your top 10, and it's not unlike someone with high adaptability to fall in the middle. Just you can go in either direction. You can see both sides. But what's interesting is that usually belief, which is your number one, is very black and white and concrete. And I'm sure that there are some places where you are not in the middle. Yeah, no, that's very true. Now that you mention it, yeah, there, there's, there was a few of them that the answer was quite clear on which side I was going to roll because it is, it's a, a huge kind of core part of me in everything that I do, even with our family. I've got wife and three kids. We have our family mission statement up on the wall in our dining room. It, Gosh, it, we could do a whole episode on that. <laughs> yeah, we should have Allison on with you and we can talk about go. the family mission statement. Yeah, it's super important to me to have a direction, to know where you're going and, and stick to what's important to you. And, and I'm not the kind of person to take notes. Like I, I didn't take notes in college. I find that if I'm not paying 100% attention to you and your eyes and your facial expressions, I get distracted in trying to take notes. It's important for me to have people on my team that take good notes <laughs> so that they can do that because I'm terrible at it. But ironically, having things written down as far as like mission and vision and direction. And even like for my weeks, first thing I do, I did it before this meeting here on a Monday morning, was taking and rewriting my list from last week and reestablishing what's the most important thing for this week, mm. and going through and doing that. Even if I only got one or two things off my list from last week, just to rewrite them out and see those things written, prioritized is, is really important to me on a new page. Something about writing it on a new page oh, yeah. for a new week is a big deal. A new page. Yes. So for those listening, if you struggle with prioritizing, I highly recommend the habit that Anthony's recommending right there, which is every day or sometimes it, or maybe every week to look at everything and reprioritize it because things do shift in any organization and any position. What's important might shift based on what's going on. But the other thing that I heard when you were talking about the notes, height, you have communication at number three and input at number two. So you probably have a pretty good memory, Anthony. Is that yeah. true? Yep. Yeah. And also high communication wants to adjust message for the person, but that is 90% of that's nonverbal. So you're probably someone who pays very close attention to everything that's happening in the room, the energy, all of the body language. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really important leading a team to be able to sense when one person's off or not getting it or not connecting with what you're saying and being able to stop and hit the brakes for a second and make sure that you get that person on board is really important. So yeah, I'm always watching for that. And then you have Relator as your first relationship building theme and Relator wants authenticity. And so that combination, Relator and communication, yes, you're adjusting, but you're adjusting for the person not um, for your agenda necessarily. You're adjusting to make sure that person's coming along, which is awesome. And my guess is somewhere in your core values, there's something about honoring people in your core values or serving people well. Yeah, actually, it's funny that you bring that up because when we rewrote, Pamela mentioned that we back in 2020, when COVID hit, I just started as the director for the Glacier Institute. January 3rd, 2020 is when I started. Everything blew up in March. And the first thing that we did is we were slowing programs down. I had to reduce the number of staff I was bringing in. 
And instead of sitting and waiting, we took that opportunity to wipe the slate clean in some ways and um, reestablish ourselves as an organization. This is our 40 year anniversary this year. The Glacier Institute's been around for a long time. We've seen a lot of amazing people that have invested a ridiculous amount of time and energy into this organization. But like with any group of humans that trade hands along the way, sometimes you get lost. And mm -hmm. so we took that time to establish True North again. Um, so we, we rewrote our mission statement. What used to be a mission page, honestly, it was about three quarters of a page long and not memorizable at all in any way. And so we shortened that down to simply just strengthening connections to the natural world through outdoor education. I can have every single staff member start every program telling everyone that mission statement and then telling people what it means to them uh, and how they're gonna accomplish that through the day. It's pretty awesome. And then um, we started with three core values. And the, just this last year, I added a fourth core value, which is exactly what you were talking about, investing in people, investing in mm -hmm. our staff. So we're a, a very seasonal organization. We bring in some of the coolest humans on the planet to come and spend their summers in Glacier National Park and get people to fall in love with the outdoors. But I would be remiss not to recognize the opportunity that I have to be a factory for cool young people and sending them out into the world mm. to go do awesome things. So our new fourth core value is related to investing in our staff and mm. the benefit for us is a side effect, but the heart in it is really for them and for what the difference that they can go out and make in the world is a pretty cool thing to think about. We take 17 just educators, 17 educators every year that we get to invest in and then they go do awesome things. Obviously we want them to stay here, but in, in our field, we know that it's unrealistic for us to think that we would have enough jobs to keep those people full-time forever. And it's better to recognize that and make it a strength, make it mm -hmm. part of your mission rather than to fight it forever. Oh my gosh. I want to applaud right now. If there are leaders listening who, who struggle with natural turnover, meaning their high performers decide to move on and do something else or take the next step in their career. I really think there's a shift away from viewing loyalty as staying. And I love that you've shifted to, to focus on investing in people. And I would say, wouldn't it be cool to look at your employees as future alums, people that you're sending out into the world that, but had the opportunity to work there. Anthony, I wonder with the refocusing on mission and core values, what kind of change or action did that produce for the organization? It's been huge, but slow, the change that we've seen. I think that um, a lot of people could get depressed, like doing all this giant visioneering work to set up their mission and core values and expect that it's going to change everything immediately. That's not the case at all. Um, it, it takes quite a bit of time to, to bring everybody on board to those ideas uh, through like constant reminders. I mean, we do our weekly leadership meetings. I start every single one by I'll pick on someone and say, hey, tell us the mission statement. We'll go through and do the core values. Everyone has them memorized. And after doing that a lot and then referencing back to them during the meeting, somebody brings up an idea and they say, hey, we want to go do this program for this school. They can't afford to do it. I think that we should give them a scholarship and we'll say, hey, I think that absolutely ties into our core value of wanting to be great partners with our community. I think it also establishes as a leader in outdoor education in the Flathead Valley. So that hits two of our core values right off the bat. I think this is something we should pursue. 
throughout the whole meeting and all of the meetings that we have, I actually get annoyed with myself at how often I refer to our core values sometimes. But I think it's becoming an integral part of our DNA as an organization that over time is getting people on board with those ideas. And I know I'm not the only one that is thinking of those core values all the time as we're running through new ideas. So Anthony, I want to hop in here and just say, you said that there has been a shift, but that it has been surprisingly slow. And a lot of leaders could give up and just the slowness of it, but that there have been certain things that you implement every week. And I want to go back to your just origin story to let some of our listeners know what the journey was to being the executive director of the Glacier Institute that I think is going to come back into some of your training and some of the things that you've also seen implemented through all of your education. So can you fill us in on your origin story? Yeah, it's a long story, so I won't tell the whole thing. But basically, I've done a lot of different things throughout my career. I started working full-time seasonal when I was 14 years old. Technically, wasn't legally allowed to, I don't think, but we had a friend of a friend who got me in and started working for the park service, made my way through in different coffee shops. I managed a Hickory Farms meat and cheese store for a while. I actually did night stocking at Bath and Body Works every other Sunday from 8 p.m. to 2 a.m., which was an interesting experience, a humbling one for me trying to pay my way through college. I worked in a eye clinic in the basement as a file clerk and did that for a year, which was pretty soul-sucking, except for the fact that there was a bunch of sweet ladies there that made delicious food. And that was my first experience in positive reinforcement, because every time I told them that their food was the best on the planet, they continued to bring it. So it worked really well. My degree is actually in wildlife biology. And when I was a kid, I knew I was going to do one of three things. I was either going to work in a zoo, or I was going to work in Glacier National Park, or I was going to be Jack Hanna. Those were my three dreams in life. I accomplished the first two already. So uh, I ended up going into zookeeping and did that for about 12 years on and off as I was trying to get to the exact right job. I ended up specializing in, in African penguins and Nile hippopotamus in the aquatics building at the Cheyenne Mountain Zoo in Colorado Springs. And through that experience, A, learned what hard work actually is. I did a lot of jobs that involved a whole lot of manual labor and hard work, but we had an annual hay budget for the animals there of about $86,000 when I was there. I'm sure it's tripled by now, but that was a lot of hay. And I touched every single one of those bales as they came in. And so I, I learned a lot about hard work. I also learned a lot about behavior. One of the big things that we focused a lot on is in the animal training that we were doing, focused on positive reinforcement. Pretty shocking, actually, the correlations between animal training and human training. Oh, yeah. Break it down to the core. Uh, and it actually drives me insane a little bit how my brain still functions that way. I still see different behaviors that people have uh, and different outcomes that come from those behaviors. And I'm constantly running these ABC calculations in my head. Uh, ABC is the antecedent, what comes before the behavior itself, and then the consequence after that behavior. And I run trainings now on the ABCs, but instead of how to do a, a tail blood draw on a 3,800-pound Nile hippopotamus, now it's, hey, let's try to get our staff to all go towards true north or uh, what, whatever it is you're trying to do. 
that's the the shift that I have now. Anthony, I really want to pause here and talk about your animal whisper superpowers. I remember I visited the Cheyenne Mountain Zoo when you were there working with the penguins and there was a bird. What was the bird's name? Colorado. Oh, the big one. That, no, the, oh, Romani. That big, oh, Romani oh, was in love with you. Yeah. Yep. No, it's true. She, we had a special bond. Saras Crane is a very tall dancing bird that's native to different parts around India. And she loved to dance for me, which in reality is creepy because it's a breeding thing. She was just being social, just loving on me. Yeah. So, so I want to dig in here a little bit and we're going to get back to your leadership story because I want to know how you went from the zoo to Glacier Institute. But tell us a little bit about what are some of the things that do translate? So the ABC, so you use that framework in your training then? I do. Yeah. One of the things I've been really fortunate to do here in the Flathead Valley is there's a, a leadership Flathead program that I've been involved with and basically establishing leaders in the area. And I've been involved with that program. I was, was in it last year. This year, I'm a class officer and I've been able to do several trainings through that and then get invited to do some other trainings. And it's one of my favorite trainings to lead is I, I run people through what I call the training game. And basically, I put a whole bunch of junk out on the table and one partner is sitting across from the other partner on the, on the table and you have to get the other person to do a series of behaviors with that junk. But the only thing that you can say is the word good. And you can't give any sort of visual, verbal cues. You can't point at things. So they have 12 different things assorted on the table in front of them. And you're trying to get them to take the pencil and open up the book and put the pencil inside the book on a specific page and make up whatever behaviors you want. It doesn't really matter what it is. But the idea is that through that person getting trained gets super frustrated because the only thing they're hearing is a periodic good with no other context. Mm. And the person doing the training is getting super frustrated because all they can say is good. And it's really hard to get someone to, to do a series of behaviors with just the word good, which was the reality when I was doing animal training. Communication was always a problem and trying to get the message across to the creature that you're trying to train. English isn't always the, the first language that you go towards when you're trying to teach a, a penguin how to jump inside a crate, which by the way, baby toys was actually the thing that worked with penguins. They loved colorful baby toys. So mm. good to was, know that was the reinforcer. But with people, with leading a team, there's so many correlations with that game, with the ABCs. You've got a specific set of things that you've set out, the antecedents. If you want someone to which this is fun. I always make one of the challenges for them to take something from the table and lift it up and move it to another place in the room. And that kind of gets them thinking differently. Okay, if I want them to pick up this book and put it on the other side of the room, they're going to have to shift their mind completely to being focused on sitting here and what's on the table. And they have to jump out of that box and go and think in a different way. It's really hard to make that step, to make that approximation. Mm. And so you think about that and what that relates to in leading a team, man, if you want someone on your team to do this thing way over here, but it's off in the distance, what things do you have to do to set that in front of them and put it on their table? Because that jump is tough to make. So how do we line them up? How do we set up the antecedents to make that the most effective? And that could be, honestly, it could be little stuff like, hey, my office is too cold 
and I am uncomfortable and I can't write while my office is cold. That's an antecedent. Every day when I show up in my office, I have a certain little collection of, I have like a little light in the corner that has a nice ambiance. And I've got my little thing with natural oils that my wife, Allison has provided for me to have nice smells in my office. All that kind of stuff is antecedent to being mm-hmm. successful in the workday. I love that. And you know what? I do want to go back to Romani, this bird, and ask you how it was that you were able to train Romani in a way that even when you came back and you had been gone for a while, Romani remembered you. And there has been, as Tara, you mentioned, being an alumni of someone who's taught you well, you recognize that person has been a mentor. How did you do that for a bird, Anthony? Yeah, it's an interesting element, something that I think honestly ties into the business world a lot, but it's so simple, but people miss it. Honestly, the work that I did with Romani was simply that I was persistent with her and that I spent a lot of actual time with her. It's a really simple concept, but she didn't like new things. She was scared of new things. She liked consistency. She likes the people who brought her food and she really didn't like anybody else to the point where any interns, we, at one point she actually broke the inner ear bone of one of our interns, uh, which we didn't find out till like months later, but she really didn't like new people. And so for any of them who had experienced time with her, and they were watching her dance around me and me giving her hugs and walking around with her, they were all like terrified because they didn't want to be close to her. But with my experience spending just a lot of time with her and doing training with her and providing her a lot of positive reinforcement, a lot of good snacks for good behavior and figuring out what she liked and doing those behaviors and not doing the things that she didn't like, um, all of that taking time to actually figure out what those things are. It's like Mm. such a simple thing, but uh, the reality is you have to be present to win. Uh, That was Mm. a quote that I learned from one of my previous managers. It takes time and investment. You actually have to be there. Mm. And I think a lot of managers miss that. They think that just by passing down these things from above, hey, go do this thing. And that person does that thing and you say, great job, that everything is supposed to be good. But the reality is, you have to build that relationship. We're humans, we crave relationship. And I think that is missed a lot of times and really important to do. And Anthony, you have developer in your top 10 also. So you have patience to walk alongside people as they're growing and notice and maybe in apparently animals as well. But that gives you that patience. And I, but we could talk for a long time just about the amount of time that we need to take. And There is a gap between leaders knowing it takes time and actually taking the time. Because when I talk to leaders about it will take time, first of all, no one wants to hear that. Everyone wants the silver bullet. Everyone wants to hear that we can make change in a couple of weeks and it'll be done. Second of all, uh, once they understand it will take time, they really struggle to change their own behavior and their own habits to align with that priority And the truth is, if you're not making time for people, they're not your priority. They're not truly your priority because our priorities are where we spend our time. Absolutely. Yes. Anthony, you are pulled in a million directions because of your work. How, what are some of just maybe small tidbit habits? And then we're going to break and we'll pick this up with part two. But what are some of the habits you've developed to make sure you take time with your people? Yeah. Good question. 
honestly one of the other biggest things that I talk about. I'm not going to dive into it right now because I know we're running out of time, but muscle memory is a huge thing. I, I saw it built in to my animal training. I, I could tell you story after story of how muscle memory and the way that our bodies respond in different situations is so key. Even things like putting your seatbelt on when you get in the car and walking into your kitchen and finding yourself in the refrigerator and not realizing why you're standing there looking in the refrigerator is because, well, I've done that. 30,000 times. And when you're not thinking about it, you just wander to the refrigerator. There you are. You start taking that and being intentional about shifting your muscle memory into the ways that you want to do it. And part of it is actually scheduling the time. Mm. I go in, we we'll use Google calendars and actually scheduling time with people. It's this new revolutionary idea of <laughs> taking, actually cutting out time in the day for human conversation. I don't even care if we don't have anything to meet about. We're going to sit in a room and we're going to we're going to spend time together because it's important to spend time together. And some of that less focused like when you don't have 37 things on the to-do list but you're just sitting there talking and dreaming. That's some of the coolest time that you can run into and that's the kind of time I want to be spending with my time is free time in some way. The other piece to that and the reason muscle memory matters is when I have somebody come into my office and I can see that they need something that it is important to them. I have trained myself to drop whatever I'm doing and make that the focus. This can be dangerous sometimes because you can find yourself chasing rabbits and wasting your time away. So part of that training is also making sure that my staff know when it's important, what things qualify as, hey, now's the time. and clearing my schedule. Essentially, there's been a few times that I've just canceled meetings and I've said, hey, this is something important. I know it's important to you. If it's important to you, it's important to me. Let's work on it right now. I love that, Anthony. Thank you for that. Thank you for this whole conversation and giving us so many visuals. So we want to encourage you to come back to part two for uh, our time with Anthony Nelson. Thanks so much for being with us today and we will see you next time. Come on.